everybody. Welcome to Thumbnail, a visual arts podcast. I'm Joe Roshert, illustrator, animator, and adjunct professor. And I'm Louis Rosignol, visual artist. And today we're going to be talking about something that's a little bit more time sensitive. Normally the topics we cover, you know, we could edit them and put them out in two months from now. It wouldn't even really matter. But we're going to be talking a little bit more about what's going on, you know, in the world a little bit rather than just how people in general can cope and what they should be doing, like how artists can deal with the slower time, probably, which is going to hit most everybody and things that you can do to continue to make some money, but also to readjust the way you're doing things, maybe. That's what I wanted to talk about. So what have you noticed so far just in the last few days? Any major changes to your schedule or to what's going on? Well, other than like mass hysteria and panic and stuff like that. It's not crazy hysteria yet, but I could feel it in the air. I could feel that the vibes, the uncertainty of everyone. And so a lot of circling projects that I was hoping would land by now are obviously being postponed because they're not crucial. They're not crucial to -to day-to-day business where some businesses are struggling to even keep people on board. I think a lot of artists like myself feel the brunt of that as well because we're potentially not making those jobs. And then sales dying down too because they're non-necessity purchases, right? Like art is nice and beautiful, but it's not a necessity. And so now I'm trying to think what I can do with this time to max benefit short term and long term. Now we're trying to all figure out how to readjust. But what's nice too is that day to day hasn't changed really much. Because we're pretty seclusive anyway. Like, I'm working by myself anyway. And so I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to Right, you don't have to make huge adjustments to how you're living in that way. No, I'm totally with you on that. Yeah, what are you seeing? Same thing. At the same time, like, I don't worry as much because... I think right now, obviously, people are worried to make purchases that they don't need. So like you're talking about art purchases and things like that, that they view as unnecessary. I did read an article that said something about how one out of every five jobs might be affected in some way. They might lose some hours, but most jobs are essential for the most part. And so most people probably won't be affected as much financially. We'll see. But I think this first week of kind of hysteria is going to be probably one of the worst weeks as far as things like that go. And then when people realize a few weeks in, I'm still working and I'm still have my income because maybe people are worried, hey, I'm going to get laid off and then I don't shouldn't really be spending money right now. But once they realize maybe they won't be getting laid off and oftentimes two people that buy art are in the middle to upper class and those are people that are less affected. I mean, that stinks. You know, we don't want people that are in the lower class to be affected so much, but that's just the nature of it. And those people, if their bank account's not affected, they might still buy art. So we'll see how it goes, but it's definitely going to have some effect. And I think all artists are going to make less money in the coming months. Right. I don't think you're going to see a surge in how much money you're making. Let's put it that way. Right. You would be fortunate to stay where you're at. But it is a good time for a lot of other reasons. It allows you to free up some time to dedicate to the projects you've been wanting to dedicate time to. Which is what I wanted to talk about, just kind of some things that you could do as an artist. I want to encourage people to, especially people who are financially stable and they know they're going to stay that way, you know, for the most part, to support small businesses, especially ones that sell online and you don't even have to leave your home. You know, if you can support people like artists and other people like that, they definitely could use the help during this time. Yeah. You know, we all need to do our part to do that. So I pulled up a couple articles we could kind of talk about that are like, 
One is three ways that creatives can survive during a slow season, so ways that you can still kind of make a living. And then the other one is how to build multiple revenue streams as an artist. And I pulled that one up because if you're an artist right now and you are slow, it might be a good time to figure out other ways you could make money. Yeah. Change your website and set up a shop that you sell clothes with your designs. There's lots of different ways, so we could talk about some of that. Yeah, that sounds great. I know I'm always like, and you're probably the same way where you always feel like you're behind. Like, oh, I have to update my website. I haven't done that in so long. Right. And it's you actually have time to do those things now. Yeah. And then trying to figure out what to dedicate your time towards. Do you want to dedicate your time towards a short hustle for small sales or potential growth in the future? Or do you want a portfolio build for the potential bigger job in a couple months? I'm thinking more people that are more established because I was thinking today there's probably people that are in this position where maybe they've been saving their money because they want to quit their job and become a full-time artist. And now maybe they're going to have to eat into that savings and Mm -hmm. they won't be able to make that change. And they're probably going to be really bummed out about that. Yeah. And so that kind of stinks. And this might also be a time where artists that were barely surviving are going to maybe have to find another job, which also stinks. Because if you were barely surviving before, the likelihood that you're going to survive during a small recession or something may be not that high. So we'll have to see what happens. But I don't want to be like alarmist either because we just don't know. I mean, in two weeks, we could be back to work and I don't think it'll go back to normal that quick, but we just don't know. But the important thing is to diversify. And we've talked about this before and how important that is. Yeah. And this is just encouraging that same sentiment where you got to figure out different revenue streams. Yeah. So I want to go through the list of things that... Yeah. The ways you could diversify. The article I pulled up, you know, it's start with the basics, right? So if you're an artist, you probably want to think about selling original pieces or prints Things like that, going to art fairs. Right now, you can't probably go to an art fair. They're all closed. But can you apply for ones that are coming up in the future? Mm -hmm. Every time they have like a local art fair in the park down here, I always miss the registration date because I'm so busy. I miss it. So this is a good time to like look all the ones up in your local area when they're coming up in the future, when the registration date is, and maybe even just register so that it's done. Yeah. I think in the fall... I don't think that things will still be canceled by then. I think we'll be back. Right. And use this time to start preparing for it. Build your inventory. Right. Think about your setup. Have mock setups. So this is such a great time for that type of thing. I feel like that's what everybody thinks of as an artist that makes a living with their art. Oh, you must just sell original paintings. That's just the obvious thing. And so that's kind of why it says start with the basics, like selling prints, selling originals, doing art fairs. To get into other things that you can be doing, The next one, promote your online presence, which isn't really diversifying. It's just a matter of something that needs to be done for any artist to survive today. And I was thinking, this is like the perfect time to try to build some type of an online presence if you don't have one, because there's so many people right now that are going to be stuck at home on social media. Right. And if money's out of the question and you can't find the money streams... Find the follower streams because those do translate into money and it does become a numbers game. Even if 1% of your followers buy your work every given year, then it becomes a numbers game. So get more and more followers, that income will naturally rise. That's so true. Set yourself a goal like, okay, I want to have 100 new followers by the end of the month over my different platforms that I have or whatever. Just, you know, you start posting regularly, you're going to start seeing an increase, especially if you're choosing the platforms that are more organically growing right now. And so be smart about that. If you're not going to have a steady income coming in, you can at least have a steady stream of new followers coming in. And like you're saying, and that will turn into income eventually, maybe not right away, but that's how income comes is from people knowing about your work, right? 
Right. And like I said, with online presence, this is the perfect time to redo your website, update your portfolio with new work. Yeah, start an Etsy shop, start experimenting with that. When I started my Etsy shop, I think in the first year that it was open, I sold like one thing and that wasn't even during a recession. So don't expect to start an Etsy shop and have like a regular income right off the bat. That's just not realistic. But if you start an Etsy shop now and you start building your following, in two years from now, who knows where it could be? Just got to have realistic expectations on those things. The next type of stream of income is commissions. That's probably one of your biggest streams, right? That is my biggest stream, and it's drying up right now. And so if you have other people that you've done commissions for in the past, it might be a good time to maybe reach out to them to see if they need more mm-hmm. work, or they may not, but if you're slow, could be a time. If it's something you've never done before, you've never done commissions, this is a good time to maybe set up a page on your website where you put yourself out there and say, I'm willing to do commissions this is my process. And then so do some research online, like what do artists that do commissions use for a process? How do they work with their clients? How many sketch rounds do they give them? Stuff like that. And then sometimes take it a step further. This is something I want to do. So I'm bringing it up. Take it a step further and be more proactive and hyper focused. So think about some of the industries maybe in your local area that aren't being affected too badly with all this virus stuff and business is still relatively as usual. And think, what could they want? Or what are some projects that they might be interested in? And now's the good time to put together a proposal and maybe do some front-end work that is technically spec work. You're not getting paid for it in the beginning, but you're doing a bunch of prep work to be able to pitch to these people. And it's a lot easier to sell something that someone can see and understand and see the vision that you're seeing rather than posting on your website open for commissions. People won't understand what that means, right? Or what they can get from you. So sometimes if you could be hyper-focused and give a pitch, you might have better luck. That's true. When you have a page on your website for commissions, a lot of times that can confuse people if they've never commissioned art. So you definitely want to explain your process. But like you're saying, be proactive. Like go out there and a lot of times that's not something that artists love to do go out there and try to pitch themselves to other people. Like you're saying, if you can find businesses that are still running uh, normal operations, they definitely could use your services in some way. So be creative and sometimes you can make your own jobs in a way. And it could be almost like a thank you call out to these businesses and then maybe these businesses will want to purchase that original piece or hire you for a mural or I don't know. Yeah, there's just so many things you could do. You gotta think creatively, especially now. And like you should be good at that. You're an artist, right? Don't just think creatively when you're doing art. You should be thinking creatively when you're doing your business side of your art too. Here's the next one, which I think is like something that is huge and something that I always think in my mind, like think I want to do this and then I just never have the time. And it's grants, artist grants. There's so many grants out there and they're not all like, some of them are government funded. A lot of them are not. They're privately funded. Do some research on these because the reason that a lot of artists don't apply for them is because they are time consuming. A lot of times you have to fill out some paperwork and you have to put a proposal together for what you want to use the money for. And it's kind of a process, but you could also put together like a project you want to do and then try to find all the grants that that project could fit into. And that way you're not filling out all sorts of different separate grants in different ways. You can maybe use the same material for each application in a lot of ways. Or see what grants are available at that time and see if there could be a project that overlaps multiple. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes all it takes is one little tweak, like making the concept focused in a certain way. 
but one might be more open-ended, but only using a certain material. That's true. Have you ever done an artist grant or applied for any? Yes, I have applied for multiple and I've received some. <laughs> I only ever applied for one or two at Mecca. I got one at Mecca that I applied for. And I will be honest, like before I even went to art school, I definitely knew kind of what an art grant was, but maybe I didn't know all of the details. I knew like kind of what an art grant was, but I didn't know all of like the details, what exactly what it is. Basically, you just a lot of people have money. A lot of foundations have money that they're giving away. Sometimes someone passed away and they start a foundation for that person. Mm -hmm. And they're willing to just give it away to different artists if you have good ideas because maybe the person that passed away is really an art supporter. And so they want to carry on that person's legacy by using some of their money that they were left or from the foundation. It doesn't really matter where the money comes from. The point is, if you can come up with a cool project and you can sell it to them, you can say like the money will go towards creating something cool that the public can enjoy, or maybe even not. Like there's so many different types of art grants. The one I applied for was just a business grant where you just had to basically say how you were gonna use the money towards your business. And so I wrote a proposal that was, I just need a new printer because I'm selling prints and I'm having a professional printer do them. And if I had my own printer, I could save a lot of money and then turn I'd be making more money per print. And so that was my proposal and I got the money for the printer. Yeah, that's great. I remember I got a couple grants, one being a business related one where it was partly a class. So there was a bunch of lectures and full day teachings that I went through that helped me learn about the business of being an artist, taught me how to save money. And so it was a match grant where I had to save the same amount of money that I was being oh, given okay. over the course of several months. Yeah, that really helped jumpstart my career. Another one for materials a short residency. Residencies are great because they're almost like mini vacations. You can kind of unplug and focus on one thing. You don't have to worry about it. Be somewhere new. I'm sure some of the residency houses may be closed right now because of what's going on, but yeah. there's maybe some that are open too. So there's so many different opportunities like that that a lot of times artists don't take advantage of. So this is the time to be looking them up and doing some research and finding them. Yeah. And you never know. You might get a really good one. There's some artist grants out there that are for a lot of money. Yeah, I'm going to have to look now. That wasn't on my radar. Well, it's like been on my radar in a way. Like I know about them, but I always just forget. And it's something that I don't yeah. do. And it's kind of like applying for a job. You could put a lot of effort into it and then not get anything out. You right. could also get something out. So you have to take risks sometimes and put time in. And who knows? Maybe you're the only one applying. <laughs> <laughs> That's so. I've heard so many people tell a story like that where they applied for an art grant and then the people were like, you were literally the only person applied or you and one other person. And so they yeah. got it just because of that. I actually just did a commission for someone. It was for a poster for an artist grant. That's what also had it on my mind. So they're doing an artist grant for $5,000. And it was a brother that passed away that was a really big fan of art. And so they asked me to do mm -hmm. a portrait of him to put on the poster. So I don't know exactly the details for that, but that's an artist grant right there. It's called Fish Duck Foundation of the Arts in honor of Augie Uline. That's the portrait I did. Nobody can see it because it's just we're on FaceTime, Joe Ken. It's going to be submissions due in September for that one. I'll try to put a link up for it on my Instagram or for my website once they yeah. put more information up about it. So what else is on yeah, that Yeah, the list? next one is teaching workshops. And I know you teach and you're not right now because yeah. of the, the school shutdown. You think that the Mecca will be closed for the rest of the year? If I were to guess, yes. They haven't made that call yet. They haven't made that call, no, but they're preparing for that possibility. Yeah. 
they're taking it day by day. But I think yes. I think we're going to be in this for another four months. It could be that the school year will start back up in September for most people. Yeah. Which is fine, but there's other ways you can teach, right? There's Skillshare, there's online. I actually am doing a live drawing tutorial tomorrow on YouTube for the first time ever. I've never done it before, but I just figured there'd be people home, maybe kids home, and mm -hmm. I posted about it on Instagram, and I've gotten quite a few people that signed up for the notification for when the video goes live. So I think there'll be a decent amount of people watching. Yeah. And what I plan on doing is just having like a link to my PayPal and saying, if you get value out of this and you'd like to donate a dollar or two for the class, you're welcome to. But if you're not in the financial position to be able to do that, then that's fine. Still stay and enjoy the free lesson. Mm -hmm. That's a way an artist can make maybe a little bit of money and you're giving your knowledge to other people. I think giving and doing things for free these days have a lot more value than I was originally taught when I first graduated. Yep. At that time, it was kind of looked down upon to give things away for free, and I still believe that. And doing spec work, it's just kind of using artists. But when you're doing things for free for yourself, like what you're saying, making these videos yeah. and, and content on social media, you're providing not only a service of entertainment, but value around your work and loyalty, loyalty to your brand, really. And yeah. I think that does equate to future sales, even if they're small sales, but they add up. Like I said, I posted that yesterday. I've had at least five or six teachers tell me they were going to forward it to all their students, like art teachers. So like there's all of a sudden a hundred students that are going to see my work. You know, maybe even just one of them likes it. And then they ask their parents, like, can you buy me his book? Things like that. Right. Maybe it doesn't seem like doing a free class would be worth it, but who knows where things can lead. And so right. if you've got the time to do things like that. Think ahead too. With every piece you make, with every piece of free content you put out, you can develop strategies around how to monetize it in the future. So if you were thinking these classes and workshops or whatever, you might be able to have the foresight to put together these worksheets that you're making on the spot with these videos. And then these worksheets maybe could form a booklet that you could then sell to go with the videos. That's so true, yeah. It's just another way of learning. And you don't even necessarily have to make big orders yourself of these books because Amazon has the drop shipping publishing now. Forget the name of it, but you could find it. So they'll print your materials on demand as they sell on your Amazon shop. And so think of that funnel in a way, like how to get the dollars out of your fans in the long term, but entertain and give value in the short term. It's so true. Even t-shirts, right? Maybe you're showing a time-lapse video of how you're making something, but then that something becomes product. Yeah. And you're like, oh, maybe I will get that or not. But, but yeah, you don't know. I think you have to think in the multiples. Yeah, how to make money the most way possible with least amount of work. You've always got to be thinking that. And while you were talking, I was also thinking like, if I put together YouTube lives, right? And say I do eight of them, one a week or something over the next eight weeks. Let's say a year from now, I decide I'd like to maybe go down to a school and apply for a job teaching. And now it comes down to me and one other person. And we have basically the same resume, but I have eight hours worth of teaching online that I did that I can show the videos. And now I go ahead of that other person. And right. because the person hiring can see, oh, he can teach. I've actually seen him do it online. So you just don't know what type of opportunities can come from things like that. When I was in school, we were taught kind of the same thing. Like, don't do things for free. And it's kind of driven into you. But sometimes it's not always worth doing things for 
free. I'm not saying that. I'm saying strategically, right. there are things that are worth doing for free. For example, I've gotten several of my large animation projects because I took the time out of my day, like, you know, four or five hours to do some spec work to show like a five second clip of what their idea could look like. Yeah. Maybe not a final piece, but you see the animation, you see where I'm going with it. And then they're now able to be like, oh, I understand what he means by this now. Right. And they're more comfortable pulling the trigger and purchasing your services. Yeah. And doing animations, it's time consuming. So you're putting a lot of work in, but if you get a job from it, then it's definitely worth it. And if you don't get a job from it, well, think of all the experience you just got from doing a new animation. I mean, there's always a benefit. Mm -hmm. The next one, licensing and merchandising your art. So we kind of talked about that, putting your art on t-shirts, that's more like merchandising and then licensing it is having other companies put your work on stuff and then they pay you like yeah. a royalty or be upfront. I'd love to get into licensing more. I haven't really done much of that. It's kind of like a process and a lot of artists like that do it, they do a lot of it. And then if you don't do it, because I know I've never done much licensing. I have done it a little bit, but the licensing I did was, hey, can I use your art? And then you'll get a cut of all the sales. And so we made like an arrangement where I didn't get paid up front. And then <laughs> I did do one licensing where I got paid up front. And so I've done two times I've done licensing. It's all right. It's not my favorite thing to do, but that's probably because I haven't had any huge success with it. And some artists have. Mm -hmm. So maybe not all of these things are going to be right for every artist, right? We went right. over six or seven things. Maybe three or four of them are good for you. Right. And so you've got to kind of figure that out. I don't think either of us have that much experience in licensing. Not too much. No. The most is stock images type thing. Yeah. And I'm not even on any stock images websites right now. So it's more just companies coming to me, paying for them to use. People I know when stock imaging, like stock illustration first started becoming a big thing, a lot of illustrators were kind of mad because they were paid for doing a lot of commission work. And then once stock illustration hits, it's so much cheaper that it can undercut them. And so they ended up having to do stock work also. And so stock work is kind of like a touchy subject with some illustrators and some artists that lost a lot of business because of that. But neither you or I were illustrating during the time when that blew up like that. It's always in the back of my mind. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. I have another thing here about selling art successfully during tough times. And then another little thing about how to survive a slow season. Let's talk about the selling art during tough times first and then end with the other one because the other one is more like about what things you can do just to kind of refocus your efforts in an artistic way rather than a business sense. And so while we're on the business, we'll just continue with that. Is that cool? Yeah. It says the number one recommendation, obviously, is just to be flexible with your pricing. Everyone's taking a pay cut. Well, not everyone, but a lot of people are taking a pay cut, maybe losing work. Like you can't expect them maybe to pay the same prices that they were paying a month ago. And so you just have to be reasonable and just consider maybe doing a sale. Not that you have to yeah. go and cut your prices by 75%, but definitely right. think about stuff like that because i mean it's only been a few days but my sales have gone down on etsy and i've thought about okay what can i do for a sale and how long should i put a sale if i do one or should i wait a little while so the tricky thing with putting on sales and putting on sales too much is that people who follow you will then only wait yeah that happens for sale times and oh, I'm not going to buy now. I'm going to wait till he comes out with a sale, yeah. you know, next week or the week after. That's tricky. So it's like the Apple model where there really isn't a sale ever. And that's the price. That's it. And some artists do that too. 
I have sales as rewards, like how we have a sale going for this podcast, yeah. which is the coupon code is thumbnail and you get 25% off. And that's an unheard of sale for me. And that's really only meant to be a gift for our followers and listeners. Yeah. And so I try not to shift my prices around too much. Most of the promos I do are similar to what you're talking about. They have to use a promo code. It's like, okay, you're one of my Instagram followers, so you're getting a percentage off. And I try to layer it too, so that I give the best sales and the best discounts to people that are in my email newsletter, because those are people are more invested in, in what I do. They're signing up to hear about literally all the projects I work on. What I will do, I'll increase value rather than change prices. So add free things, add that's stickers smart. and yep. stuff to increase the value rather than change the price. And so that's for my physical retail kind of stuff. I am more flexible with commission-based work. Someone came to me asking to do an animation or an illustration. They'll tell me what they want. I get all excited. I give them a proposal. I'm like, okay, this is what it would cost to do it the way I want to do it. Yeah. A lot of the times you get pushed back and like, well, we actually don't have that. Even when at first they say they, they don't have a budget, you know? So it's like, yeah. of course. That's how you find their real budget. And then you have to then determine if you can scale your work, scale this project to that price. A lot of times I will sacrifice the quality of work to meet the budget that they could afford. I'm trying to think if I agree with that. I've done this where I would tell people, this is how much it costs for like an editorial illustration. And they say, I don't have that. I have half that. And I've come back and said, bargained with them. Basically just said, okay, I'll do it for that price. But you're not getting any rounds of sketch. You're getting what you get, mm -hmm. you know, something like that. I mean, you may not be able to go that extreme. You might be able to just say, I'll do one rounds of sketch instead of my normal two then, because you know, you're not going to put as much time in, but I don't think I sacrifice quality. I'm just trying to take control more of the project at that point. If they're not willing to pay me what I'd like, then I'm at least going to have more artistic control, I guess. That makes sense. I am sacrificing quality for some things, but sometimes I'm able to scale it in other ways to keep quality, and but it does have to be scaled back in certain ways. So maybe it's not a 18 by 24 piece, it's a five by five inch piece. <laughs> but if someone's giving me a script and they need 30 seconds of animation and they only have a certain budget, then I do actually have a less quality product to meet that budget. Yeah, and I guess that's where the saying you kind of get what you pay for comes in. Yeah. People want to nickel and dime you like then they can't expect the same. Yeah. If I did that to any other person like a plumber or whatever and then they cut corners like kind of would be my own fault. I argued with them about price, you know. That is where I'm flexible. I've changed this year and it's kind of a bad year to start changing I guess because of what's going on but I decided this year I'm not ever doing sales on original work and rather than doing as much sales people can afford my stuff at different times. I'm just having different levels of products. So yeah. I have books that are reasonably priced so that pretty much anybody could afford that if they wanted, and then prints, and then originals are for people that have money. I mean, that's just how it is. Yeah, there's some things I can't have sales on too because I'm not making any money on them to begin with. Like my sculptures that I'm making right now, I can't make them in high enough volume for it to be really profitable for me. I'm breaking even. Yeah. And so, no, I don't want to... As expensive as they may seem, I can't I can't budge because I'd be paying you to take them. <laughs> the main point we're just talking about though is being flexible as as flexible as you can be. But like you said, you don't want to be always doing too many sales because that does devalue what you're doing. 
but you also have to be reasonable, especially in a time like this where the economy might be bad for a while and people are just not gonna have money. And it's like, you have to choose between lowering your prices a little bit or going out of business. You know, it's like, that's an obvious choice to me, but you gotta make that decision. Again, provide more value rather than yeah, cut Yeah, that's a good costs. thought. I like to try to do promotions where I offer like buy two, get a third print free or something like that. So it encourages people to spend more money basically. Yeah. Rather than just buying one. Now it's like, well, if I buy another one. So things like that are smart as an artist. Because you're not going to be spending a whole lot more on shipping and a whole lot more on supplies, but you're getting an extra sale potentially. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one too. I buy a lot of my clothes from Fred Perry. It's like a brand of clothes I like. And they're so smart. Like twice a year, they'll send me a card that says, spend $500 and get $200 off of your purchase. And it's like, oh, wow, I get $200 worth of free stuff. But I have to spend $300 still, right? Yeah. It's such a smart sales tactic to do that because it encourages people to spend a good amount of money. But it, it seems worth it because you're getting such a big discount. Right. So that might be another thing to do as an artist, like encourage people to have to spend more to get the discount. Right. Let's see. What else does this talk about? Being flexible, obviously. Oh, it talks about renting your art to different galleries too, instead of just selling it. Some galleries rent art. And so if you can find... I have no experience with that. (laughs) I guess it just talks about galleries that rent art for like $20 a a week or $20 a month. And then if you rent them 20 pieces and you've got 500 bucks a month coming in or whatever... That can be a good source of income. I've never done it, but it's interesting. The next one is bartering. I don't know if I would do this, but I get the point. So it's saying during times like this where maybe people don't have money, people still have services that they can offer you. Mm -hmm. And maybe you can get dental work or or food from friends that have restaurants. And a lot of times when you barter, you can actually get more value because they're willing to give more. That's the hard part about bartering because someone's always losing in a barter situation, I think. Most of the time, someone's always losing. So someone's getting more out of it than the other. And sometimes it could be you. So what I think about bartering is like Bull Moose Music is a local music store. They sell records and they buy, they sell used albums too. And so if you bring like a box full of albums, you'd like to sell them. They'll give you cash for them, but they'll give you more if you're willing to take store credit. That's how I always think of bartering, how it can be beneficial. So it's like maybe your friend that owns a restaurant, he'd be willing to pay $100 for your piece, but he'd be willing to give you $200 worth of credit to the restaurant. Then you have to think, well, would I have been going to that restaurant anyway? Because if I would have been, then- I would totally do that then, yeah. If you're bartering with someone that's offering you something that you weren't even going to use and it's not something you even need, and there are people like that, right? They get a coupon in the mail for something they don't even normally use and it's like they just have to get it because they're coupon people. (laughs) Barter for consumables or services you know you'll need. That's the main thing is reach out to people that you know you already need their service and see if they're willing to trade for art and you, you might be surprised. Yeah. Maybe the dentist office you go to would like some new art for their walls and then they'll happily clean your teeth and give you the coronavirus. The last one for this business one, and then we can go to the other thing, is just thinking about making art that captures the essence of what's going on right now. So maybe you can make art that has to do with the quarantine or the panic. And sometimes that can be lucrative because people relate to that right now and they're maybe willing to buy prints of that or the original or whatever. Everyone's relating to it. So that's a great touchstone for everyone to have some emotional equity or an emotional draw to your work. I think there's value in doing another thing too, which is totally ignoring it in your art. 
because I know like scrolling through TikTok or whatever, it's like every other post, it's about the quarantine or about the coronavirus. And so sometimes maybe people are looking for a relief. Yeah. So there's benefit to doing both, doing art that relates to it, but also art that's totally unrelevant and that just lets people escape for a minute. Mm -hmm. Like, remember that time we used to be able to congregate? <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't know. I'm rewatching Breaking Bad right now, so I'm going to maybe make some even more Breaking Bad pieces because I'm into that, you know. <laughs> Last thing, three ways creatives can survive a slow season. This has nothing to do with money, just things you can do while you're kind of slow and you have time on your hands. The first one is just renewing. Renewing. And that means basically like just take an entire day and just sketch new ideas in your notebook. Visit a place you remember from when you were a kid and make some drawings. You know, do things that you, I'm trying to think of the right word, that renew your sense of creativity. And mm -hmm. most of the time it's easy to get stuck in a rut. Yeah, use it as a reset button and reevaluate. And don't go to a place that you remember from your childhood if it's like a big public place with lots of people. That's, that's not a good idea. And then the next one, retrain. So this is just like, if you've been doing a specific type of work for a long time, or maybe working in a specific medium, maybe this is time to learn a new medium, learn a new style, refresh things up. Yeah, this is definitely something I was going to bring up too, is not just retrain, but re-educate with lots of different things. You know, take online tutorial classes or tons of free stuff, learn new things, learn the things you've been wanting to learn. Maybe you turn off your Netflix and you replace that with learning and learning programs using this time productively. That's exactly what this is aimed at. And I mean, if you're going to relearn or maybe learn like a new style, it doesn't mean you're necessarily replacing your other style. It just means you're adding a new tool to your toolbox, right? Something new to your repertoire and expanding what you do. It's a great time for experimenting with your art. Anytime you have extra time that you can do that, it's huge. The last one is re... These are like renew, re train and refocus and so they're all pretty similar refocus just means figuring out what is working and what isn't working yeah like i know right now i have books and prints and shirts and i just started doing some like one-on-one -on -one coaching and i'm going to be doing this free class on youtube live stream see how that goes and i do commissions and i sell originals so it's a good time to figure out maybe which of these are working better than others. Maybe it's time to give one up that's just not working and try something new. True. If you're spending 25% of your time on selling originals, 25% on commissions, 25% on teaching classes, and then 25% on selling merchandise, and you sit back and you go, well, 80% of my money is coming from the commissions. Maybe I should spend more than just 25% of my time on that. Exactly. Like hardly any of my money's coming from this thing. Maybe I could just give that up altogether if it's not working. Yeah. Kind of figuring out what you're wasting your time with and what you need to put more time into. I guess that's a good way to put that one. Reevaluate long-term goals. I know I really want to get into the children's publishing space. And so using this time to think about portfolio pieces should I be reaching out to different agents? Should I be focusing my time on writing and writing stories, writing my own stories, making dummies, really fine-tuning those ideas? 
Do I want to take stories that I already have and finish them myself and self-publish them? You just got to think broadly, not only short-term, but long-term goals. It's obviously a great time to spend more time with your family and do things like that too. I mean, we're talking about art, but most people's lives are so busy. It's like you just spend so much time working and doing things like that. And so to have maybe some spare time and, you know, maybe you can't visit people in person because of what's going on, but you could FaceTime with them and maybe even play a game with them over FaceTime. I don't know. There's different things you can do. Thankfully with the internet, this is a lot better than it could be if this happened a hundred years ago. Although if this happened a hundred years ago, Right. This this thing would still be in China because people weren't flying all over the world, right? So so it, it's like, right. it's better in some ways, but it's not in a lot of ways too. The one thing that's bad about how connected the world is with yeah. planes everywhere, if something like this happens. Keep it, looking at the positives. We keep seeing so much negatives and pay attention to the silver linings like that. And the yeah. time you do have, try to look positively on this stuff. How to use this time productively. And, and don't spend your whole day just looking on the news sites because that's just going to get you mentally drained. It's good to be informed, but if you just spend all day looking at the updates and stuff, it just gets old and you can go down like a rabbit hole of right. conspiracy theories and all sorts of crazy stuff that'll drive you nuts. And we've all seen them. I don't know. I try to limit that. Okay, I'm going to wake up. I'll check the news maybe before I bed. But during the day, I'm not going to try to think about it too much. Focus on what you actually have control over in your life and help those who are immediately around you. And make sure you at least have <laughs> eight to ten months worth of toilet paper. You know, a normal amount. <laughs> Just a normal amount. It's so funny. I know everyone says this. I don't get the toilet paper thing. I get why they say it because it is like you could right. easily live without toilet paper. There's other things you could do. Yeah. But I, I understand the Purell thing a little bit more. Although. Oh, yeah. Even non-antibacterial soap is better than Purell if you're washing correctly. Which I don't think I was. I watched like a tutorial online yeah. of how to wash. <laughs> and they're basically teaching you to wash your hands like a surgeon normally would. And I usually would do it for like 10 seconds real quick. And yeah. I wasn't getting my fingers really. Because they're like telling you to do this weird thing with your fingers and then not to touch your face. So I like went out and got a coffee earlier through the drive-thru. And I came home. I'm like, I actually had like a... Uh, <laughs> Um, disinfectant wipe yeah. I'm like wiping the coffee down and my phone yeah. like I yeah, never do that can. stuff so I'm just being cautious you know even though I don't really come into contact with many people it's still my wife yeah. she's still working they're still having her come in so she's coming into yeah. contact with people so if I get sick and pass it to her then she could pass it to other people so anyway stay safe out there and we still have a promo code it's thumbnail we, we mentioned earlier thumbnail when you're checking out on Etsy either of our shops gives you 25% off and would love to hear any techniques that you guys are doing to make an extra buck as an artist during these tough times or maybe some goals you have shoot us an email at thumbnailpodcast at gmail.com or a direct message to any of our Instagrams I'm at Forthouse or at Lewis Rosignol on Instagram stay healthy thanks for listening have a great day guys